Hey, I love you, church. This is such a, I, I mean, I just have this real, honestly, you have a real sense of what God wants to do in and through you. I love that, um, that you're here. I think you're a beautiful church. Pastor Meredith is not here. Um, I played with my children outside for far too long yesterday, and they are paying the price. Um, and so one of them woke up with an earache. The other one was coughing like crazy. And so uh, so be praying for them. Pastor Mary could not be here. She's pretty bummed about that. Um, so I'm here with you. So be thinking about them. But, hey, you are the, the good Christians who... Um, who got out of bed this morning in 30-degree weather. How many of you really honestly had to fight pulling that blanket back? How many of you actually did it, and like the third time you're like, okay, I really got to get up? Anybody? Anyone with the, okay. That's some of you guys need to get thicker windows, I guess. But like, that's keep the heat in. Um, Hey, I'm going to read a few verses. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We are starting a series on withdrawal and return. I keep saying series, but I kind of want to get out of that rhythm because... For me, this year really is about the patterns of Jesus. This is not just about the series that about certain topical things. In fact, last night I was telling Meredith that I feel like through what we'll do this year, we are we are really going to begin to disciple each other. We're going to begin to see Jesus in you, me, and us. That's the vision of this year, to see Jesus in you, me, and us, that we would begin to take a responsibility for one another, that we begin to take responsibility for seeing Jesus when we need to see the potential in one another, and to see Jesus when we need to be encouraged one another, when we need to be challenging one another. Um, when, you know, we always talk about, man, I just want to have like really life-giving relationships and then we never bring Jesus into those relationships. Uh, when was the last time you sat down and prayed with your friends, right? And so I, I want to just encourage us that we're not really doing series this year. We might have a few, but we're really talking about the patterns of Jesus, Because Jesus is our pattern. He is the one who shows us what humanity, what life really looks like. That's why John, in John 1, would say that he was the life that was the light of men. He revealed to us what it looks like to live and to live fully. And so Jesus is our example in more ways than one. And so if we want to become like Jesus, we should spend time being with Jesus. So that's kind of our, our push this year, that, that we aren't trying to be people, and, and, and don't get me wrong here, this is not this idea, of we, uh, one of my favorite authors, John Mark Homer, says this, that so many times we separate this and say, well, it's not about what you do, it's about who you are, except that it kind of is also about what you do. And, and, and those two things should merge. In fact, our soul begins to disintegrate when we don't integrate the things we do and the things we are. Our soul begins to fall apart when our body, mind, will, spirit don't work together in unison towards the same end. And so what happens is we, when my body does this, but my mind wants this, and my will is saying one other thing, we begin to feel pulled and stretched in a, multiple, in, in a multitude of ways, and that's what causes us to be exhausted. It's what causes us to be tired. It's what causes us to be frustrated. The soul of our life. And so this, this whole year is about abiding with Jesus. We aren't, we, we've said it a few different ways, but the idea is that we are not trying to simply achieve something through 21 days of prayer. We are trying to abide with someone. And we believe that abiding with Jesus actually tells us, Paul tells us, that, that, that the fruit of the Spirit. He actually says it like this, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Those two words are really different. The works of the flesh has something to do with us trying something, striving for something. The fruit of the Spirit is something where something's produced in us, where, where God is working in us and through us. And you might be up here for a while, Amanda, if you yeah, just want to let you know. 
Not a while. Y'all are like, oh, what? Shoot. Um, and so I, I want to read, read Romans 12 real quick just to set us up, give you a little bit of an idea of where this came from. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It sounds like a pattern and renewing are, are at odds with one another. That if I, if I get so well adjusted to the pattern of this world, then my mind will not be renewed in the way that God would want it to, because what he desires for us is this, that we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I love that trifecta. The good the pleasing and perfect will of God is found and discerned and approved when we begin to renew our mind. That maybe the greatest issue with us achieving our purpose is not our skill set, but our mindset. Where our mind has been set in place is actually the thing hindering the skills God has set in us. I'm giving you one-liners, the same one-liners I was <laughs> kind of giving a flag to earlier. But, but I, I, want, I want us to understand that it, so often our mind is the issue, and yet we don't adjust the patterns that actually begin to, begin to adjust our posture. And so we don't inhabit particular places the way we are called to. We don't look much like heaven because we've adjusted to the patterns of this world. But if heaven is meant to invade earth, if heaven is meant to fill earth, then we as people need to become more like Jesus. Amen? Dallas Willard, and this is a long quote, so we're going to put it on the screen. In his book, The Great Omission, Dallas Willard is one of the best when it comes to speaking towards the soul and speaking towards patterns. In fact, he's got a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines, which you would love to read, I'm sure. It says, many well-meaning people, to give an example, cannot succeed in being kind because they are too rushed. That's a I don't want to, also don't want to read the rest of the quote. Many people cannot succeed in being kind because they are too rushed to get things done. Haste has worry, fear, and anger as close associates. It is a deadly enemy of kindness and hence of love. If this is our problem, we may be greatly helped by a day's retreat into solitude and silence where we will discover that the world survives even though we are inactive. There, there, we might prayerfully meditate to see clearly the damage done by our unkindness and honestly compare it to what, if anything, is really gained by our hurry. We will come to understand that for the most part, our hurry is really based upon pride, self-importance, fear, lack of faith, and rarely upon the production of anything of true value for anyone. Come on, Dallas. Don't give it to us lightly. Okay, if we just keep adding weight to the bar. If we take note of and follow Jesus in what he did when he was not ministering and not teaching, we will find ourselves led and enabled to behave as he did when he was on the spot. In other words, if you'll do what he did in private, you will also do what he did in public. So many of us are striving. This is what happens in the world. We find Jesus and we run to calling. But Jesus actually didn't do that with the disciples. He, he, he brought them to himself and then brought them to community and then launched them into their calling. But there was a place of preparation. Character is formed in community. Always. Always. Because you don't need to be loving and kind and patient and gentle when you got nobody around you. Oh, you're talking about getting married. You better be ready to change. Because it happens. I'm telling you. 
It, there's a character development when you get into relationship. That's why when you shun relationship, you're actually depleting character and you're short-circuiting your calling. And you wonder why every six months your calling hits a ceiling because your character has stopped growing. And you need community. You need people. This is not my message. Why are y'all amening this? Because I, I got to get on to the next thing. But you and I, we have to be people who do what he does in private because private places leak. They always seep into the places you live. The private places, your heart and mind, the private places where you spend your time, they always, always, always seep into the public sphere. Always. You cannot, will not ever be able to avoid that. And so we try to fix all the public things. Well, that person's mad at me, so I'll just go. No, no, no. You need to deal with what's going on in your spirit. That's why we don't like silence and solitude, because when we get silent, we have to deal with ourselves. When we get undistracted, we have to deal with ourselves. And that is not always a pleasant thing. But it is one of the greatest things we could ever do. Let's read the rest of Dallas Willard's quote. The single most obvious trait of those who profess Christ but do not grow into Christ's likeness is their refusal to take the reasonable and time-tested measures for spiritual growth. I almost never meet someone in spiritual coldness, perplexity, distress, and failure who is regular in the use of those spiritual exercises that will be obvious to anyone familiar with the contents of the New Testament. Again, zing, right? Like it's like that's right between the eyes. That's what this is. So the patterns of Jesus for us is what is that regular rhythm? Uh, this is, and, and, we, and I actually do believe this. Withdrawal and return is just kind of like the tip of the spear. Withdrawal and return is like this is the thing right here. If you will do this, if you will withdraw and return, if you will take time away to be with Jesus, you will return looking more like him. So we are to see Jesus so that we can begin to see Jesus in you, me, and us. And so these patterns, and next week, next month, we'll talk about the pattern of temple to table. That if you lose the table, you might as well not go to the temple. And I don't mean that like some of you are like, well, I ain't going to the table, so I guess I'll stop coming to church. I mean that to simply say that it is one thing to look up here at me. It is another thing to look across the table at someone else. And it is a whole other thing to talk about Jesus while you're eating your food and making a mess. It is a whole other thing to begin to live life with people as God's beginning to develop things in us. And as we move closer to either Easter, we'll talk about the pattern of death and resurrection and how all of these things build on one another. But if you are to follow Christ, you must be willing to die so that you might live. It is the pattern of the kingdom. It is the pattern of Jesus. Death and resurrection. And some of you, I mean, some of you guys should rejoice in the death and resurrection because some of that stuff needs to die and go away. There's no chance I'm getting the rest of this done. So I'm just going to tease it and say, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to finish right now, but I, I just make it consistent. Be here. Be there Wednesday night at prayer. Uh, be here next Sunday. Let's, let's be people who begin to establish a pattern of showing up in the temple, in the church, and beginning to get to the table and get around people. Uh, begin to be consistent. Because Acts 1.14 says they were continually united in prayer. Acts 2.2 says suddenly there was a sound. If you want the sudden sound, you need to be continually united in prayer. If you want the sudden thing, you need the continual thing. If there's nothing continual happening, th th listen, the sudden things rarely, rarely are, should be a surprise. The sudden things should rarely be like, whoa, where did that come from? 
Usually, they are a continual thing that's been happening in you, me, and I, okay? All right, Luke 5, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, read all of these verses because I want you to catch, catch kind of a, a, um, a context for where we find this. And, and again, I'm going to shut this down a bit early, and it's my fault. I made worship go longer. Um, but Luke chapter 5 and this isn't the only time we see it, but I'm going to read 16 verses. Uh, so for some of you, you're going to read uh, your Bible reading for the day. I've, I've got you hooked up. As the crowd was pressing in, that means I get five extra minutes, right? Because I'm taking your Bible reading. and I'm Okay. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, that's a bit presumptuous, which belonged to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, we've been fishing all night. He says, do it anyways. Come on. Do it anyways. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. It's amazing what obedience does. When Simon Peter saw this... He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I'm a sinful man. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of the fish they took that day. So they, uh, And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Verse 12, while he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a serious skin disease all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Okay. So we're at verse 15 and 16. So a lot of good things are happening. The crowd's pressing in on Jesus. He's teaching this incredible message. He's doing a miracle with the fish. Then he's healing a leper. And the people just keep coming and coming and coming. They keep showing up. They keep crowding in. They keep pushing him into boats. They just keep showing up. Jesus is successful. A lot of things are happening. And yet he's also a little bit busy. He's got a few things on his mind. There are a lot of people who need healing. There are a lot of people who need to hear about the kingdom. There are a lot of things going on. He's choosing his disciples. He's got, he's got all this stuff happening. He is successful. I don't know if you've ever wondered if Jesus ever got distracted or busy. But the thing about Jesus is he had a pattern. And we find it in Luke 5, verse 15 and 16. We find it in multiple other places, in several other places in the Gospels. Verse 15 says, but the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet, Verse 16, yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Sometimes I think we read these verses and we read that he often withdrew to prayer and we forget the yet or the but he often withdrew. It's almost as though we, we don't realize that that but is there and that yet is there to show a very stark contrast as to what was happening around him. It wasn't already quiet, so he went and got more quiet. It wasn't already uh, a slow day, so he went and got more slow. It wasn't already those things. It was because of those things that he realizes he needed to move into a place of prayer. It is because of those things. But because all this was happening, he often withdrew to pray. 
He went to deserted, desolate, wild places, places that, that, that some translations say the wilderness, so that he could pray. And he wasn't just trying to get away. He wasn't just trying to take a vacation. We are really good at vacations. We are not really good at refreshing. We are really good at taking a week off because we haven't taken any time off the rest of the year. We are really good at all those things. But if we would get a pattern of withdrawal, then we would return much different, much better. And so Jesus would often withdraw, not to get just to get away, not to just get a little time off, not just to get a little bit of vacation. Jesus would withdraw to pray. And in every instance, and in every instance, there was something that shifted when he came back. There was something that changed. In one instance, he chose his disciples. In another instance, he decided to move on to the next city, even though there were still people who needed healing, because Jesus was starting something, not finishing all the things, right? He was starting something so that you and I would do even greater works. So he, would, he, 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 he left to the next city, and the disciples go, whoa, 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 hold on, we still got more to do. And he goes, I know, and we've got to tell everybody, as many people as possible, about the kingdom. After Matthew 14, he walked on water. Jesus always came back after he had taken some time away. He always returned and did something significant. Jesus was never rushed. He, wasn't, he, wasn't, he was very, very deliberate in what he did. He was very, very strong in what he did. And there was always a lot going on. And what does it say if Jesus is our pattern that even in the busyness and even the success of ministry, and all the things that were going on with Jesus, he still found it important and a priority to withdraw so that he could return. And that's the goal of this whole pattern, is that we would withdraw to see Jesus and return looking more like him. It's why Jesus would say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because Jesus often looked at the Father. He, he, he was, I only do things that I see the Father doing. Why? Because he was often looking upon the Father and saying, what's next? What are we doing? All right, here's it. It, it. Sometimes we just don't like to think that way, but Jesus was often in relationship with the Father so that God would begin to develop strength in him even more so. Jesus often withdrew so that he might return. This is the pattern of Jesus. If we want to see heaven on earth, we need to make sure that we are beholding heaven. That if we want to see Jesus on the earth, then we need to become more and more like Jesus. Of course, there are things that only he can do. Of course, there are things that only he will do. But it is part of this that you and I must be in partnership with him. Going all the way back to Genesis 2, there was nothing growing on the earth. Why? Because God hadn't sent the rain and man hadn't cultivated the, the ground. We are in partnership with heaven to bring heaven to earth. And in, in, in what you might call an attention economy, it's all the more important that you and I withdraw. It's all the more important that you and I take time away. Mark Sayers says, our life patterns have become one of the great battlegrounds of the contemporary world. You have some 20-something-year-old out in San Francisco building things so that you would stay distracted and addicted. You know, we use the line, are you exhausted because you've been running through my mind all day to try to pick up women? It doesn't work. Don't do that. But, I, but I, I just can't help but think that there's some kind of truth to it. And it's not the person that's running through our mind that's exhausted. It's actually the person who is always keep trying to keep track with the latest, greatest thing, with how the Joneses are doing, with how the person is doing, how it, that we're checking everything and looking at everything and checking every email and checking every post and checking every, and that we get to the end of the day, we haven't done anything, but some reason for somehow, somehow we are exhausted. 
because we have been a people of partial attention, as one author says. We live in a world of partial attention. We don't give all of ourselves to one thing. And we all know what happens with partial attention. We've all been on the highway. We all know what happens when we give partial attention to something. We don't get as much out of it, and we don't see the fruit of it in the way that we should because we have not been able to give full attention to what deserves it. And withdrawal looks different for all of us, so don't get pressured into. Some of us think that if you don't do your Bible in the morning, you can't read your Bible. Well, I'll start over tomorrow because lunchtime reading Bible is, uh, is not as good. Don't get pressured into some form or shape of this. I think morning time, obviously, it helps because you haven't started anything. There's nothing that's got you mad yet. You know, maybe you had a bad dream. I don't know. But morning does help. But for some of you, morning is not good. For some of you, you know, you got four kids at home. You're not going home and grabbing dinner and then afterwards grabbing a wine and having a Bible, grabbing your Bible and peaceful reading the Bible. You ain't doing that. That's not going to happen for you. For some of you, it's, it's not morning because you're evil in the morning. You know, like it's not. Like you shouldn't see the Holy Spirit in the morning because you guys will be at odds. For some of you, it might be in the evening, whatever it is. What you need to make sure of is just simply that it's consistent. I have a theory that Jesus was a night owl. So many of the things we see Jesus do, we like to say that it was early morning. What we're actually saying is it was really late. I mean, Jesus would take his, one moment Jesus took his disciples with him and they fell asleep while he was praying. That makes me think that it was way too early or way too late. When he walked on water, it was early, and some translations actually say late into the night. There's some places where it says that he prayed all night. I have a theory that Jesus was a night owl, and I say that because I'm trying to justify my own behavior. Whatever withdrawal looks like for you, make it quiet. You need silence more than you realize. You need that place where nothing is competing for your attention. Last night I bought an alarm clock, like a real one. Like, yeah, the one that has numbers on it, and that's all it does. Because I'm going to put my phone in another place. Because before I go to bed and when I wake up, I don't need to know what y'all are doing. I just want to wake up. I, I, I legit bought an alarm clock last night. It was $10. I'm going to see if it works. But we, whatever it looks like for you to withdraw, whatever it looks like to be quiet, alone, and focused, whatever that is, do it and make sure that you can be consistently doing it. Be intentional about the patterns in your life. Be intentional about the things that you're doing. You will, you will absolutely have withdrawals when you withdraw. And that's actually a good thing because that's probably the pressure point. <laughs> like, I don't have to withdraw. Some of you guys, would, well, I'm doing a Daniel fast. For some of you, like, like withdrawing from some things is not a big deal. Like, you, you, you know, like eating broccoli is fun. Like, yeah, cool. Uh, for some of you, like, oh, my God, I need a chocolate chip cookie. Right? Some of us, when we withdraw to pray, all we're going to think about is the phone that we should be picking up, the phone call we should be making, the thing we should be preparing, the house we need to clean, all, all the stuff that come to mind. And it, those places are pressure points in your heart and spirit to say, hey, you need to stop. You need to trust God enough that while you're here, I'm still there and here. That I'm still working even when you're not. Even when you're not trying to fix the world, I'm still at work in the world. That I'm still going to do things even when you're not doing something. Sabbath is, is one of the greatest ways to remind ourselves that we trust God. 
Withdrawing is one of the greatest ways to remind ourselves that we trust him. And you will have things that try to pull you back to whatever you're doing. But it's, it's actually probably in those moments that you need to pray and say, God, why am I drawn to those things and not drawn to your presence? Why am I drawn to those things? And, and the only way you'll do the withdrawal and return, and I need to end, but the only way you'll do this, and I'll say this part quickly, the only way you'll do this, you must decide if becoming like Jesus is worth your time. And then and only then will you decide to be with him. Patterns are how we worship Jesus. The rhythms of our life reveal what we worship. And so, in other words, it could be that a lack of withdrawal to be with Jesus is evidence of a lack of worship of Jesus. That's not to condemn anyone. That's to just simply remind us, who do we really serve? Who are we really after? Who are we really trying to lean into? Who do we want to look more like? Because what we give our attention to will shape our life. Now, this isn't just about withdrawing. It's also about returning. And I'm not going to spend the rest of the time. I'm going to I'm going to save that for next week, what it looks like to return. Maybe today, and maybe there's a good reason i got to cut it off, because maybe for you, you, you don't need to jump to the returning just yet. For some of us today, we just need to, we just need to commit ourselves to the withdrawal to step out of whatever circle, of whatever situation, of whatever circumstance, of whatever regular pattern we have gotten so well adjusted to that we've lost out on discerning and approving the good and pleasing and perfect will of God for our life. Take a step away. Figure out with your family, what does it look like once a week to withdraw with your family, to shut all this stuff off, to sit around a table, to have a conversation, to pray together with one another. What does it look like in your relationship with your friends to withdraw? And what does it look like for you every single day and every single week to withdraw so that you might return? What does it look like? And I guess the biggest question there would be, do you think he wants to spend time with you also? Why don't you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you are in our midst. You are with us even now. As we close out today, God, I pray that we would, we would, right now, just make the decision to withdraw to be with Jesus because you love us. And of course, you can be with us at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when we're doing our work. And of course, you can be at the dinner table when we're trying to feed our kids. And of course, you can be with us and our friends Friday night when we're out and about. Lord, whatever it looks like, of course you can do that. You promised that. But there are also moments where we need to get away from all the things. Get away from all the the things that are trying to grab our attention, to to distract us from what's most important, and to get back with you. And, And for some of us, the greatest challenge and the greatest hindrance to us leaning fully into what God has called us to do is simply stepping into even the awkward, unknown, not sure about moments where we withdraw from the world and we spend time with you. And we're not even sure what that time looks like. We're not even sure what it's going to be. But we are going to do it because we know that you will show up in those moments. James 4, that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And we will return with great decisions. We will return with amazing moments, we will return with a confidence and a strength in our identity in Christ Jesus. I pray that today we would establish the pattern of withdrawal.
that we might return to new life, to new hope, and to new joy in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, I want you to take 30 seconds, 30 seconds before we get into ending with worship. Take 30 seconds right now, and I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Hey, God, what do you want from me? What do you desire from me this week? Give me some ideas of things that I need to withdraw from. Give me some ideas of things that I need to to do to make sure that I'm spending time with you. Just some things even that I can be praying over over these next 14 days, of the last 14 days of our 21 days. Just, Just give me some of that. Just 30 seconds. I want you to take 30 seconds and just ask the Lord. Trust that he'll answer. And if you get a nudge or a prompt or anything else that's going on, I want you to just write it down. stand with me. We're going to worship together as we close. Lord, I thank you. I pray you bless every person in here today. Lord, I pray that today that the the sun would rise upon them. I pray that the sun would rise on their dreams. I pray the sun would rise on their freedom. I pray that today as they give their life to you fully and completely, Lord, I pray that they put their eyes upon you. I pray that new things would begin to come into view. I pray that shadows would lift because the sun would shine. And I pray that they would walk out of this place becoming more and more like Jesus. They would walk onto the streets that they work on, the streets that they live on, the streets that they play on. Lord, I pray that you would begin to work in them and they would look like Jesus wherever they go, whenever they go, however they go because they have withdrawn to see you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship together.